Good morning, everybody. Good to be back. Today we'll be learning Daf Ein Zayin, the very top in Masechah Ksubis, which means if we are uh, so fortunate, we'll be finishing the seventh parak in Masechah Ksubis. May we have the O's to finish this and all of Shas and beyond together. Okay. So we start with the top. The Mishnah, Ishin Olduba Mumen. Good. I was uh, away and... It, Hashem uh, did not want me to expound on the defects of the women, as we've been discussing the last few blots. Uh, it's not something that I know anything about, but the defects of men uh, is the topic now. In other words, we are talking about the kind of defects that allow. Now, it's important. Birnbaum uh, wanted to make sure that I emphasize. It's important uh, to emphasize that this allows you to um, divorce, and, as Tosos points out, demand the ksuba if you're a woman, right? If you find that your spouse has a defect, but it doesn't obligate you to do so. That's important to note. The other thing that Tosfos points out, going through all these Tosfos and Ein Zayin now, uh, Ahmed Aleph, there aren't any on Ahmed Beis, um, is if, what about, are we not concerned that if a woman, as we will see, she could say, what if a man develops a, real, real mum, a real defect in the course of a marriage, right? Something that you wouldn't expect her to have to stick around for. Okay, so we say that she's allowed to divorce and get her ksuba. Well, Tosfos has to answer, if she does in fact get her ksuba, so then couldn't you have the women, why could she get her ksuba? Because she could say, uh, and we say that she could get her ksuba even if she, sometimes, even if it's a pre-existing condition, she might be able to say, I was aware of the pre-existing condition uh, before we got married. However, I thought I could tolerate it. You know, but once the sheen wore off the relationship, uh, this pre-existing condition turned out to be more than I could bear, and therefore I am demanding a divorce and exuba. You could do that also, says Tosfos. Well, uh, aren't we concerned that there could be some charlatans out there, the original white uh, gold diggers uh, that would say, Let's get married, and then immediately point out something that they thought they could tolerate. Now they say it. Now they say that they cannot. It's just as a way of basically collecting a ksuba and then moving on. And Tosfos uh, says we're not concerned about that uh, because the bezdin can figure out, could usually sniff out if somebody is being sincere or not. Okay, that's our introduction. So now, so the man here develops right. After the marriage, he develops these bodily defects. Ein kofen lahotzi. It is an unusual language. Ein kofen lahotzi means when the woman, right, requests a divorce, we would, typically, we would typically, right, not force the man to divorce her. This really means that the woman cannot demand a divorce. Ein kofen lahotzi means that if she demands a divorce, we don't force him to give it to her. Uh, soon, Bezat Hashem will be learning Gittin, and we'll see the relationship of the man and the initiation, right? The man and the woman vis-a-vis the initiation of the divorce. So here, the man has the mum, and the woman demands a divorce because he has developed it after the fact. We do not demand that he give her a get. And even though she wants out of the marriage, he, they, we can actually, right, sort of uh, force them to stay, in essence, right, together. However, right? So Shimon Gamliel is basically saying the following: that all of this is only talking about little defects. So when there's a little defect, and a woman goes and complains, she says, "I would like a divorce in Ksuba," we are actually going to say, "No dice. 
you're not entitled to a divorce, you got to stick it out. But if the man develops a major defect, says Rabbi Mishim Gamliel, then certainly we're going to uh, force him to divorce. She is not forced to stay in the marriage, is the point. And this is the tosis where he says that she gets her ksuba as well. So now into the Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda Tani Noldu. Rabbi Yehuda taught us that when our Mishnah says that the, that the, the language of Noldu, right, Right, so when we read our Mishnah, our Mishnah is according to the version of Rabbi Yehuda. In other words, that is the Machlokas. Is our Mishnah talking about defects that were there only if they developed after marriage? And if that's the case, the Gemara is going to say, Man de Amar Noldu, as the Gemara continues, according to our version of the Mishnah, the way Rabbi Yehuda learned it, if that's the case, that, that this halacha is when Right, the woman developed, and that's when we don't force the man to divorce his wife. Kol shekain hayu. So we're certainly going to say, right, that if this was a pre-existing defect that existed prior to the marriage, then certainly we're not going to force the man to divorce his wife. We're not going to grant the woman, right, the divorce because she was aware of the defect going into the marriage, right? The kasavara says the Gemara bekibla, right? She thought about, svara usually means right, contemplation, so she already gave it some thought during the dating process, and she, or, and she accepted this defect, and it's an interesting thing, right, that, that that, because after all, I mean, what is the mechanism, Andrew, by which we are going to allow her to, to divorce? The, the grounds of a divorce is an interesting thing. I mean, Barry, what if a woman just simply says, he started being mean to me? You know, I'm not interested anymore. Can't she initiate a divorce? So uh, we talked about a little bit about um, in the other direction, right? If a woman is, is so, so there's a, two aspects here. There's a stuba also is important, right? And, but we said if a woman is acting out in certain ways that are inappropriate, so she loses her stuba, right? So that's when we're talking about things that you can control, and the man can divorce and she loses her ksuba. In the other direction, it's a little complicated. In other words, he or she has to demand the initiation of a get. And so if it's things that the man did, so then he's going to have to, then Chazal's going to step in. And they're going to, if it's his fault, they're going to force him to give her ksuba, okay, and to divorce her. But if it's things that are beyond his control, and the only variable, the only factor, as we see in this Mishnah, are things that the woman, and it's a question of whether we are forcing her to tolerate them or not. So it becomes a little complicated. Are we going to force her to tolerate something that she already accepted? So that's what Mandam Arnoldu, Rabbi Huda is saying, that if she in fact already accepted and knew it going in, into the marriage, right, there's so many considerations for the rabbis to consider here, right? It's a culture can't hire you. They have to think, you know, what if this man, just because he has this bodily defect, does that mean that he's never going to be able uh, to be married? So he, finally, he finally found a girl who could tolerate it. So anyways, be that as it may, if he says that we're going to force the man to divorce his wife if, if the defect developed, then certainly um, right, uh, say that, again, we don't force him, rather, right? If we don't force the man to Right, divorce his wife in the case where he developed a defect in the middle in the middle of the marriage. So certainly, if he went into it as a pre-existing condition, then we are not going to force him to give a get. The kasvara kibla, 
right? Because of the reason, like we just said, that she had already considered and accepted. However, Manda Amar Hayu says the Gemara, Aval Nol Dulo. If, according to the Manda Amar, who is Chia Barav, who says that our Mishnah is not, even though it says the words Noldu, according to Rav that's not the word that we're supposed to be reading. The first um, words are Ha'ish Shehayu. So according to him, it's only in case of pre-existing condition that we don't force him. Aval Noldu, lo. But any situation where they get married and everything is cool, however, he develops a, as Rav Shem says, a big mum, right? If she cannot tolerate it, the woman can, in fact, demand a divorce, and she's going to get a ksuba. Fine. So now we're going to try to figure out: Does our Mishnah right hold Hayu or Noldu? So it's not. Our Mishnah says, "Right, Right. So a brilliant idea here that we're saying: the Hemshech of the Mishnah. So now we're seeing that Rishim Gamliel is modifying the Mishnah. He's explaining. Right, that all of the Mishnah is referring to Mumin Gedolim. He's not arguing with anyone. He's just saying that all of this has to do with real uh, big defects. Well, guess what? That seems to suggest, that continuation of the Mishnah seems to suggest uh, one way or the other between this Machlokas or Behuda of whether the Mishnah should say Noldu or Hayu. Why? Because the fact that Rav Shimon Gamliel says that all of this applies only with Mumin Gedolim so says the Gemara, Bish Noldu. That makes sense if you say that the mum developed. ben Right? That's why there's a difference between the major and minor defects, because after all, right, when the defect develops, so if it's big, so then you are gonna force right, we're gonna force the man to give her a get. When it's not big, we're not going to. right? But if you say defects that pre existed before the marriage, Mali Gedolim. In other words, if you're going to say defects that were already there before the marriage, so then wait a minute. We should say that even if it was a large defect, she already accepted this large defect, and therefore there should be no difference between large and small defects. Now, of course, it's a little complicated because the mission is saying, Ein kofenoso. Right? So the woman cannot demand a divorce. But be that as it may, it means, right, if you mean that it was, so, so then it would be a kavachomer if it was a small defect, you can't demand a divorce. Be that as it may, this whole idea of distinguishing between mumin gedolim and mumin ketanim in the other way would, would, would actually make, right, would not make sense if it was a pre existing condition. Because after all, even if it was a large one, then she had, uh, then she had accepted it in the first place. Okay, it's not necessarily the uh, the greatest pariah, right? Because after all, you could simply say, yeah, it was a pre-existing condition. She accepted it because, uh, right? So it was a pre-existing condition. It was large. Well, that's what the Gemara and the Gemara is going to say because she changed her mind. That's the bottom line. As the Gemara continues to say, right? She thought. That she would be able to tolerate it, and it turns out that she cannot. Right, so she she was she thought she was stronger than that, uh, and and that's it. And that's where that's where Tosfos on uh, Svura, the third Tosfos says Ktsat Tema, because if that's true, Right, 
So he says, V'shem b'makom she'esh k'shash arama ein laksuba. And this is what we had said before, that in any case where we suspect, or Bezin suspect, that she's just going after the payday, we are actually not going to allow her to say, I thought that it was going to be okay, and now I realize that I can't handle it. And once you, once you're able to have the, right, the, uh, once you're able to figure out when the women are trying to actually go for the money and when it's actually all sincere, so then there's really, uh, then, then you can actually, uh, offer the ksuba in that case, even if she says that she realized it in, after the fact. Okay. So that is the, First part. Now, let's look into Rav Shimon Gamliel here. He who discusses the difference between mum and gedol and katanim, what is the difference? Ve'elu hein mum and gedolim. What would be a mum that would be considered big enough to warrant, right, this kind of demand for a divorce? So, Pirish Rav Shimon Gamliel, okay, kigo nismes eno nikta yado v'nishbara raglo. So again, this is a sad situation, right? The man himself suffered a horrible traumatic injury. Nismes eno is, he was blinded in one eye. Nikta Yada, one hand was cut off, Vinishbara Raglo, or one of his feet was shattered. So it's to add insult to injury. Now that he needs his wife to help him more, more than ever, she can't handle it, and she's entitled to, to demand a get uh, an exuba. That's a little harsh. So again, this is not something that she's obligated to do at all, but it's something that if she really can't stand life without it, she's entitled to. Okay. So, uh, and, and I noticed in the, um, I think it was in the art scroll that that it's um, if she actually, but there would be no machlokas if if she actually lost uh, her sight completely. Okay, be that as it may, um, in this particular, and that's why I said it one leg or one eye. Be that as it may, it my Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yochanan, Halacha, Kerb Shimon Gamliel. Right. So according to this, um, certainly it looks like there is a machlokas between the Tanakama and Shimon ben Gamliel, right? Our Gemara is assuming that in the Tanakama, it makes no distinction between uh, Mumim Ketanim and Mumim Gedolim, okay? Ein kofen oso lahotzi. Okay, um, fine. So she can't demand a divorce, and Shimon Gamliel is being mechadesh, according to our Gemara. Shimon Gamliel is being mechadesh that, in fact, right, the the only time is is in mumim ketanim, but mumim gedolim, uh, the Shimon Gamliel would agree that she can demand a divorce. And what we were saying before in the article is that the even the chachamim would agree that it, there are certain mumim that are so big, right, that even would they would agree that she can demand a divorce. Okay, be that as it may, itmar Rabbi Abba Bar Yaakov Rabbi Yochanan Alochak Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. And Rava Amar of Nachman Halacha Kedivrei Chachamim, right? So there was a machlokas as to do the mum have to be gedolim as right? We just illustrated where right she could demand divorce according to Shimon Gamliel if he's only blinded in one eye, or does it have to be like the Chachamim where he has to be blinded or in both eyes or lose both legs and both arms, that kind of thing? Okay. Okay. So wait a minute. Did Rabbi Yochanan really say that the halacha is like of Shimon Gamliel? We did have a statement that Rabbi Yochanan said that Rabbi Yochanan had said that any time we have a machlokas, the chachamim of Shimon Gamliel, halacha kamoso, the halacha is like him, chutz me'arev ve'tzadon uraya achrona. Okay. 
So Rashi just uh, glosses over what are these what are these cases of Arav Atzid and Raya Chrona. Arav he says is beget Pashut, right? Um, Etzidon b'misha achzu kardikas raya chrona b'sanhedrin perek zeborer. So what is going on over here? So th- these are halachas where we have machlokas rishim gamliel and the chachamim. Right, the arv has to do with the liability of a of a cosigner on a loan. Um, I think that's in that we said that that's in Baba Basra kufayin gimel, and then tzaydan is get nine dalid had to do with the get. That was given in Sidon, and Rashi doesn't explain the whole story. And the Raya Achrona has to do with Raya Achrona means evidence after the fact. In other words, you have a ruling. This is in Sanhedrin Lamed Aleph. And then what would be the halacha on overturning a ruling on evidence that comes in late? Well, on all of these, there was a machlokes between Shimon Gamliel, right, and the Chachamim, right, and everywhere where we had the opinion of Shimon Gamliel. Right, the halacha would be like him, except for those cases. It means that the halacha should be like him in this case. Uh, well, that's good. Rabbi Avraham, Yaakov, Amri, Yochanan, halacha, Kerev, Shimon, Ben Gamliel. So what's going on? So it says the Gemara, Amarai, Hiba, Liba, Derbi, Yochanan. In other words, there's a machlokas about whether we paskin like Rabbi Shimon, Gamliel, or more specifically, a machlokas to what extent Rabbi Yochanan paskin like Rabbi Shimon, Ben Gamliel. Right? In other words, right? That that he said that everywhere should be the opinion that every everywhere that an opinion of Shimon Ben Gamliel was sort of our Mishnah. Did he mean that that meant in every opinion, in every case, or in these right only in these specific instances, right? Like the case Rabbi Yaakov held, the Yochanan agreed with Shimon Gamliel only in the specific cases, like in specific cases, like in our Mishnah. Okay, so does Rabbi Yochanan hold like Shimon Gamliel everywhere? Or only in specific cases is a machlokas amaraim, and therefore one could argue that the halachas of Shimon Gamliel in our case. So here we have like a source for whenever we say Shimon Gamliel and all of Shas, do we paskin like that or not? Okay, so that is the first thing. Now we're going to talk about the next Mishnah about more specifically the kind of defects that can force right the men when they develop said defect to divorce their wives should they demand a get as follows. Says the Gemara. It says the Mishnah, rather. Muka Shechin, a man is, has, okay, Shechin, we associate with the Shechin of Mitzrayim, which actually describes, right, the Torah describes is what we would call boils, right? But Shechin, as we will see in the Gemara, and the Gemara will go through all of these defects, Shechin might be just simply referring to like a disease or a skin disease, something a little more general, as we'll see. There are many different types, as we will see. Okay, so that's one thing. Bal polypus, the Gemara is going to explain all of these. Polypus is a really horrible condition, as we'll see. Okay, very, very repulsive uh, kind of condition. Veham ekamates, and now we're going to talk about different professions, where the guy is doing the profession, and again, it is so disgusting, usually because of a smell, uh, that the woman is allowed to de- demand a divorce. Makamates, uh, like kamitza, meaning handfuls, but it depends handfuls of what, okay, as we'll see. Vamitsarif um, nechoshes, person who has refined copper, apparently that makes you, right, that makes you very smelly, as Rashi points out. Vabursi, tanner, we already know that that's a famously smelly profession. Right, and so here the Mishnah is going to explain 
that these, when it comes to these professions or these mumin, right, the Mishnah is saying that these mumin, it is true that you could demand, again, a get, whether it happened before the marriage or during the marriage. Even if she married an accountant and then he says, honey, I'm going into tanning. So that certainly she can demand a get. But even if she married a tanner, that's the Chiddush, right? Even if she married him thinking that she could, that she could handle it, if in the middle of the marriage she gets sick of it, she's allowed to demand a divorce on those grounds that he stinks like a tanner. Okay? Balkulan, Amar, Rabbi Meir, Alpha Pisha, Hisna, Ima. See, Rabbi Meir took it to the next level. The guy knew that he was a tanner, and he knew that that was going to be a problem for Shiduchim. So he already told her on the first date that he's a tanner, and she could smell it. She didn't, he didn't need to tell her. And sure enough, not only that, but he built it as a tanai, alpha pisha hisna ima, a tanai into their marriage, that she's going to marry him despite the defect. Okay? Still, right? Despite this, this actual explicit condition that she's going to stick in his, stick with this marriage, no matter how bad he stinks from the tanning, she can still turn around and say, I was young, I was dumb, I thought I could handle the tanning smell, but I no longer can, and we allow her to demand a get, and according to Tosfos, even get a ksuba. As we'll see, the Chachamim say that this is presumably in this latter case. This is the Machlokas Chachamim Rabbi Meir. That in a case where she made an actual itnai, so that is a promise. A promise is a promise. She can't say, well, when I promised it, I didn't know what I was in for. No, you promise is a promise. Mechabelsi al korcha. In this case, it means mechabelas. It means the defect. She has to accept, right, this defect of the smell against her will. In every one of these cases, except for the mukashchin, because she might think that the mukashchin that she can handle it. But if she says, no, 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 this this shchin is more than I can handle. There, even the chachamim. Even if she makes a t'nai, the Chachamim will let her get out of that marriage. And the reason is because of Shemimakso, because the Shechin is actually something that causes his flesh to fall apart when they are together. And therefore, they can't really be together. And that, a marriage where they can't be together, is something that we do not expect her to stay in, certainly. So that, everybody would agree. Um, they're not going to force her to stay in that kind of marriage, okay? Therefore, uh, the Mishnah continues now with a Maisa B'Tzidon. Seems like a lot went down in Tzidon. Maisa B'Tzidon, B'Vur Siyechaz Shemais. So he had a tanner, okay? And he was married, and he had. And however, they never had children. And when he died, Bayalo Achborsi, his brother, the tanner, was ready to be a Miyabim. We quoted this in Yavamos, this case. So, Amru Chachamim, Yecholahi Shetomar, Lachichad, Eis Yecholakabel, Vachat. So there was a thought that maybe, right, if she's falling to Yibum, so we're going to force her, them to have Yibum. And wait, wait a second, you say, well, why does she have to accept this Yibum? He's a tanner. 
So they say, wait a minute, but his brother was also a tanner. So she could say, says she could say, wait a minute, your brother made up for his stinkiness with his personality, right? I was able to accept your brother, but you uh, do not have the same personality. You have a miserable personality and you stink. And therefore, I mean, it's not a huge chiddush, right? Because after all, we allowed her to do chalitza. This is something that we're going to probably allow her to do in any case. Uh, and therefore, we allow the chalitza instead of the yibum. She does not have to accept the yavam. Okay. So now we're going to go through some of these defects. My baal polypus. What is polypus? Amar b'yudam shmuel v'reach hachotem. It's the, the nose stinks. I've never heard of such a thing. And the brysa, there was a brysa that says that uh, the breath smelled. Ravasi thought it was the other way. That it was Shmuel who said that the breath smells. And then the way he remembered it, Ravasi remembered it by saying, Shmuel's mouth never ceased from this parak. Let me first point out, Shmuel's all over this parak. For whatever reason, parak hamadir, Shmuel was on it. And therefore, that's a good way of remembering. Because this parak was always in Shemuel's mouth, it's easy to remember that Shemuel thought that it was, in fact, the mouth uh, stinky that is, is polypus, okay? Hamakamets, what's, where does he, what is he getting handfuls of that's making him unfit for marriage here? My makamets, has gemar, amr b'yuda, zamekabets, tzos, klavim. Ah, he's a pooper scooper. He's picking up dog poop, okay? So, Rashi, this is funny, uh, Rashi's saying, lo yadati matzorechba. What would you use this uh, dog poop for? What, what is he picking it up for? What? Yeah. So Andrew is right on it. Good for you, Andrew. One of the things could be tanning. Uh, Rashi in Ashkenaz in Germany saw that they would do, so they use it for some sort of, ironically, uh, laundering. Did you? Andrew, you should say next time, you, uh, your clothes are always pressed and clean, right? You always look great. Um, and when you ask the um, dry cleaner whether they use uh, dog poop, um, say demand it because that's what they use in Germany for the real good cleaning. So the fact of the matter is, uh, in our day and age, you know, my mother lives in Upper East Side of, of Manhattan, Zelzeingazon, and so there you get fined like five hundred dollars if you leave sauce clothing on the floor. So maybe it's just like he's a city worker picking up sauce clothing. Anyway, not for the use of it. Get it? It doesn't matter. Meisve. The bottom line is the guy stinks. Meisve. Mekamet Ziborsi. That's a machlokas. So yeah, some said that picking up the the tzoa is what makabe was. He's being makabets, okay. Makamets is makabets, right? And some say makamets is borsi, that it's referring to a tanner. Yeah, but if you're saying that makamets is tanning, well, the Mishnah itself listed it as three separate things, right? Makamets, mitzaref, nechoshes, viborsi. So makamets. And Bursi are obviously two different things. So how can you say that Makamets is tanning? So Kasha. So ironically, it's only Kasha for the Makamets. Why? Because Kama Bursi Gadol, Kama Bursi Katan. Amazingly, we'd have two different kinds of tanners in our th- list of three of the worst professions, one being a boutique tanner and the other being an industrial tanner, right? However, El Yehuda, Kasha. But according to Yehuda, right, who, who says that it's a pooper scooper, that's the kasha. Why? Because he says makamets isn't a borsi, right? And so the fact that the Brisa says makamets is a borsi is a challenge to Rabbi Yehuda. So it says, look about it, tonight. No, that in itself is a machlokas tonight, whether makamets is borsi or tzos klavim. Detanya, because that's an explosive Brisa, says makamets is a borsi, beishomrim zeh makamets tzos klavim. So 
Rabbi Yehuda is clearly going with the second day in that brisa. Fine. So now eight lines up from the wide. If I'm a the choshes of Bursi, what about these coppers and tanners? My mitzar for the choshes. What's a copper refiner? Ravashi Amar Chashle Dude, right? He pounds out kettles. And in Rabbi Barbachana Amar Zem Chatech Nechoshes Meikaro. He's a copper miner. So those are two different things. Is he in the shop pounding out the kettle? Or is he like in the mines? Well, something is making him uh, stink and be filthy and disgusting. Okay. So we have a Bryce that says Beferish that he is actually in the copper mines. So he's filled with soot, Barry, from head to toe. She can't, doesn't want to be near the dude. Okay. Now, So this is more familiar. We're talking about this, right? So let's say a husband says, I don't want to support you. And I, and I okay, I don't want to feed you. I don't want to support you. Yotzivis and Ksuba. So we remember this. We're learning Subas. So there we say, he, we ha, he, if he's not going to support her, he has to let her go and pay her off and give her the Subas. And he said this in front of Shmuel. So Amar, Aksua Sare Lazar. And Shmuel said, feed Rabbi Lazar barley, meaning like make him eat those words. I don't like that. He doesn't like that halacha. Shmuel didn't. So again, Rav said, he has to give a ksuba and pay her off. Shmuel said, why are you making him pay her off with a ksuba? Instead of having them divorced and paying off with a ksuba, yichfuhu lazon. Instead, force him to support her. Now, there's either way he's going to have to pay her off, right? He's either going to have to support her or he's going to have to give her a ksuba. So Shmuel is saying, right, I don't like this idea of paying her off and ending the marriage. Let him, for, if you're going to force him to pay already, force him to support her and then they continue to be married. Okay. However, Verav, Rav answered, Ein Adam Dar Im Nachash Bechfifa. We already saw this. Uh, the, t- the literal translation is a person does not live with a snake in a basket, which another way of saying it is, at any moment, why don't you live with a snake in a basket? Because a snake could strike at any moment. So here, her husband uh, might be lent to the base, to, to the Bezdin now and start supporting her. But at any day, he's like a ticking time bomb. He may decide that he wants to divorce her. Uh, anyway, that he's not going to support her anymore. So in other words, right, you punish a guy and he listens to you for like three months and then he decides he doesn't want to support her again. This guy obviously is a jerk. He has, an, he has a tendency to not want to support her. And therefore, Rav says, just let her get rid of this guy. Let her get a payoff and move on with her life. Okay, right? So, Kisalik Rabbi Zeir, went, Salik means from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael. Salik, he, and he went to Binyam and Yafes, the Yasef of Karmel, Mishmei, the Rabbi Yochanan, and in Eretz Yisrael, right, he was saying Rav's ruling, right, um, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. So Amalei, Rav Zeira said to Rabbi Yom Bar Yafes, Al da Aksua Sarin Lalazabibavel. Yeah, for that halacha, they fed, right, barley to Rabbi Lazar in Babel. In other words, it sounded like Rabbi Yochanan sided with Rav, and and however, right, when Rabbi Zera came to Eretz Yisrael, he explained that Shmu- he sided with Shmuel, right? So he wanted to keep the marriage together. Um, okay, so it was the other way around. So in other words, who's feeding who barley here? Who's making who eat their words? It's obviously a double-sided thing. What's better, Barry, to stay in the marriage, even though the guy is taking down bomb, but at least you keep the marriage and the family together for now, or to just have a clean break, right? These are things that rabbis sometimes have to deal with, right? Different, um, different considerations, you know, that, 
that have ramifications. May all our Rabbanim have the Siyat Shmaya to make the right calls on this. Okay. Amr Yud, Amr Vasi, Ein Ma'asin Elo Lepsulos. Right. So some say this is Rav Asi, some say this is Rav, as we'll see. Um, so the bottom line is, what's Masin? Coercion, right? Do we force the men to divorce their wives? Well, only if they're married to women who are what? One of the psulos, right? Hurricaning back to the very beginning, even of Yavamas, okay? This is, uh, this is when you force a man to divorce his wife. So Kiyamrisa Kamei to Shemuel. Rabbi Huda is going to elaborate what's going on here. Amar. He said like this. I said in front of Shmuel, right? And that may be why we say Rav, Rav versus Shmuel. Kagon, what are the psulos? So we're familiar with them. Almana Lakoin Gadol, Grusha Chalutsu Lakoin Hedjot, right? Almana can't marry Kohen Gadol. These are Isserim, they're Raisa, right? Grusha Chalutsu, as we know, can't marry regular Kohen. Mamzer, Sunusin, Israel. Bas Israel, and Nasin, Mamzer, right? Where Mamzer can't marry a Jew. Aval Nasa, Isha, Visha, Ima, Isha, Shadim, below Yalda. But the case is, if they're married for 10 years, ain't Kofanaso. We don't force him to divorce her just because. Well, you say, wait a minute, there's a mitzvah that he has of Puravu. Well, as Rashi explains, no. He has to, but what do we do? So, Bismana said we don't do anything, right? But it used to be that a man maybe would marry another woman if he sees that his wife can't, uh, can't have children. It is complicated because, um, especially in those days, you didn't know who was the cause of it. We've already seen Gamarza where we said that maybe that the cause is probably the man. Uh, even if it's the woman, it's because of the man's chuyos that she's not having children. Be that as it may, the point over here is that we're saying is that in that case, we don't force him to divorce her, okay? So, right, so Shmuel, they said in the name of Shmuel that in fact we do force her to, uh, him to divorce her. So what's going on? So it's not. So now this second uh, idea, we have to go against our Mishnah. Because our Mishnah says, We said that all of these defects are when we're and yet our Mishnah does not mention that when a woman, this second version, right? Our, if it's in fact true, that Shmuel says that we force a man to divorce his wife if she has not had children for 10 years, so then why is it not mentioned in our Mishnah? Says the Gemara, Our Mishnah uh, could say, Right? That what? According to Ravasi, it's not a big deal because Ravasi says, Ain Maisin Elipsulos. Right? So he's saying, our Mishnah is talking about a Darabon. In other words, the idea of divorcing after a mum and after 10 is certainly a Darabon. This idea of the Psulos, right, is, is actually, right, like the coin uh, to a Grusha is certainly a Daraisa. So then we don't have a steer, right? Darabon Katani, Daraisa Lokatani. Elalarav Tachlifa Baravimi. Listening, Nasa Isha Vishar Ima Esar Shanim Vilo Yol Dakofen Also, right? But according to Tachlifa Baravdimi, who's already who's actually including in the list a Derabanan, which is to say he's including right this idea of of the of having to divorce after ten years, which is not Dovrei. So that's a Derabanan. So then, why is our Mishnah not including in that list? Right, right, not including the divorce after ten years of childlessness in the list. So Rav Nachman Lo Kasher Haba Mili Habishote. Because the two Mishnahis are talking about two different things. In the case where they didn't have children, so then we are actually talking to them and we're saying, we expect you to get divorced. However, in the defects, we force him to divorce her by what? By whipping him. In other words, she's demanding a divorce. He's not doing it because of his defect, right? So for her misery, she's miserable and he doesn't see it. He can't smell himself, let's say, right? He's a tanner. 
So therefore, we're going to whip him and force him to give her a get. For her misery, we're going to use the whip. That's interesting. However, for his mitzvah of Puravu, we're only going to use words. Okay? So Matkifla Rabbi Abba, however, there's a pasuk in Mishlei that's fascinating. Bidvarim loy vaser avid. It's a pasuk in Mishlei that says, a servant will never be disciplined with mere words, which is to say, words, right, uh, that words are never effective enough. You usually have to use force. So if that's the case, what's the, right, what's the hava amina that we're going to even be successful in convincing him otherwise? El-Amariyaba, he concedes, and he says, no, hava hava shuti. Yeah, both Mishnahis, when we say kofano, so we mean with force. So what's the, is the difference between the two Mishnahis? He says, hasam ki amar havina bahadeh. Regarding the defects in our Mishnah, she says, it's a case where she said already that she's going to stay with him despite that. So therefore, shafkinan la. So we, Force her to do so. However, but when it's a case where they didn't have children after 10 years, even if she says, I'm going to stay, we don't let her do that. And that is, right, even though we said it's usually his zechuyos, there's still an issue here because it has to do with his obligation of pru or vu. Okay, however, the Gemara says, but we said with regards to the mukashchin, there is a case where we don't, right, let her, where, where we don't uh, let her stay with him. That was, in fact, is exactly what our Mishnah says, Vikatani, right? And yet, our Mishnah taught that case. In other words, if you're going to say that the whole difference is that the case is when do we force him and when do we not force him, so our Mishnah taught the case. So why is it, therefore, not teaching the case of the childless couple after 10 years? So, Hasam, Ki Amra, De Yarna, right? It, the question is like this. When it came to the case of the Shechin, right, she said, I will, what? Stay with him, but we're going to be celibate. What is this, Sahade? Sahade is witnesses. In other words, we're going to have witnesses making sure that they stay celibate, right? He's not fit for Pru or Vu anyways, is the point, right? He's a Mukha Shechin. He can't marry anybody, right? Because his skin falls off in that case. So therefore, we, so therefore we let her, if she decides to stay in a celibate marriage, we're going to let her do that because he, we're not canceling his right puravu. However, but in the case where we assume that it's possible that she could be the source why he can't do puravu, so even if she suggests that they live with witnesses making sure that they say celibate, we don't allow that, right? Because by sticking in the celibate marriage, she is in fact going to prevent him because he might otherwise be able to have children. So now eight lines down. Tanya, Amar Sachli Zaken Echad Yerushalayim, There are 24 different varieties of Mukeshchin. So again, it might mean like some, uh, the more general disease. And all of them have the same idea that cohabitation is not going to happen. And the worst type is this thing called Rasan. Okay, Mimai Havi, how do you get this Rasan? How do you get that horrible disease? Tanya Hikis Dam Vishimesh Havin Lobonim Vaisikin. Not Vasikin, but feeble. You're gonna have right weak children if you have Tashmesh right after bloodletting. Hikizush name Vishim Shushu, that's if one one of them. But if both of them, both the man and the woman, had bloodletting prior to being together, Havin Lobonim Balei Rasan. That's a, one of the ways to get the really bad case of Rasan. Right? And of course, that's only if you didn't have any orange juice after the bloodletting and orange juice and, and, and um, kichel to give yourself the strength, right? 
right? But if you had something to reinvigorate yourself prior to being together, so it's not just whether you did bloodletting, it's whether you did the weakening of bloodletting. Uh, of course, we're going to go with the Rambam over here. We have the Sefer over there in the corner here in Shari Zion that says, don't listen to these medical uh, advice because this was the medicine of the times and we have to go with the empirical medicine of our time. We're going to read the Gemara. What are the symptoms of Rasan? Dalfan Ene. Uh, teary eyes, diving hire, running nostrils, or isolate rira mipume, right? He's spittle from his mouth, or mood didve ilave, and flies swarming around him. Very obviously, he's a very serious disease. Umayas, who say, how do you cure it? So Amar Abaye, and Abaye gives a suggestion that you kind of have to believe he got from his mother for all the, the homeopathic medicine, right? Expert. Pila Velodna. You take a type of mint and a wormwood, geared of our gods of the ashba, and some bark from a nut tree and shavings of hide, a cleo malka, and a lily, and maschala, dikla, zumka, and the calyxes cover red dates. You take the immature dates, you take the calyx, put it all together, boil, boil it all together, take him obviously into a house made of, ar- of marble because there's no draft there, if you don't have a marble house, take him instead into uh, uh, some uh, a house. Well, that's a brick house, like here in Baltimore, that's seven brick and a half bricks thick at least. That's the, right, that has the effect of marble. But not to lay class mea casel reshe, 300 cups of potion on this head. And ad raferis de moche, obviously until the surface of his skull softens. And now you're going to start a surgery. Bikar la moche, tear open his skull. Now you're going to see the uh, disease, the organism standing on the membrane. This was understood to have some sort of organism that caused it. And what's the surgical procedure? You got to bring four myrtle leaves. Lift each leg and insert a leaf underneath. You're going to do a very careful extraction of this bug. Move, remove this right thing with tongs. Right with your forceps, then you have to burn it. Obviously, the elo hadilave because if you don't burn it, it's going to always return. Okay, so machrez Rabbi Yochanan, he's our mezuvah shabali rasan. These precautions, they were very careful with these with this bug because they used to. Let's say you have a flies that that are a person with rasan. How contagious is this rasan? So Rabbi Zeir, Lavi Yosef Bezike, Rabbi Zeir wouldn't sit downwind of somebody who had rasan. he wouldn't be in the same. Place, uh, same even outdoor COVID tent as a person who had Rasan. Rabbi Vasi were so mocked, they wouldn't even eat eggs that came from the same neighborhood as a person who had Rasan. So obviously, this, was extreme, this viewed as extremely contagious. Okay. However, Rabbi Shub and Levi, as we will see, was a big tzaddik. His Torah protected him. And he was He would like be the Right, the COVID nurse, so to speak, Lavdil, that was sticking close to all the people of Rasan, and the whole time he was learning Torah. That's in Mishle. Right? The Torah is a beloved, right, Ayelas, and she refuses charm. If the Torah protects us with Chain, Magna does not protect him certainly from disease as well. So now we're going to talk about how great Rabbi Shubh and Levi, in fact, was. He was so immersed in Torah that he was impervious even to this highly contagious Rasan. When, when Rabbi Shub and Levi died, I'm going to say amazing Gemara and how amazing he was. Malchamavis didn't even have um, uh, a hold over him. He says, do whatever, do you could do whatever Rabbi Shub and Levi tells you to do. So also is Chazalei, the Malchamavis goes to Rabbi Shub and Levi, he says, it's time. So Rabbi Shub and Levi said, can I see the place in Gan Eden where, um, where I belong? So Rabbi Shub 
So the Malchamav said, okay, because he was told that he has to listen to him. So I'm like, Avli Sakinech. So Rabbi Shuvan Levi says to Malchamav, you know, you're making me nervous with that knife. Can I please hold it? Um, so Dilma Mevasis Lebu Urcha, you're going to frighten me along the way. So Yavalei, so the Malchamav has to listen to him. He gives him the knife. They arrive to the spot. So the Malchamavis lifts Yeshua and Levi up like over the fence to see his spot in Gan Eden. So Yeshua and Levi jumped over the fence and fell to the other side into the Gan Eden. So the angel is trying to hold on to his cloak. So Yeshua and Levi says, I am now making a, a nether that I'm not leaving here. I'm staying in this Gan Eden. So Amar Kutshebrichu, so Kutshebrichu said, Okay, let's evaluate because we have a conundrum here. If Shuman Levi made a nether that he can't overturn, so what are we going to do? We're going to make him come out of Gan Eden, or does he have to stay? So he says, well, we're going to base it on what he did in his life. If he ever took a nether and, and, and never had it annulled in his entire lifetime, if he ever did have it annulled, he has to return. If he didn't, he gets to stay. Right? If he never did overturn a nether, he gets to stay. So Havli so Sakinai. So, so basically, what happened was, they turned out that he was always sincere and he never had a, a nether overturned. So he got to stay in Gan Eden. <laughs> so then the uh, Malchabavit said to Shimon Levi, can I have my knife back? So Shimon Levi didn't want to give it back. So Nafka Baskal of so Baskal came out and said, Havni give him the knife back, the Mitzvah Libraisa, because we need it for creation. He may need the knife, the Malchabavit, for other people that are not so filled with Schuyas, Rishu Ben Levi. The Maharal, Right, and the art school has a arichus on the Mechtam Eliyahu Maral and explaining the purpose of the story. It is with that that we'll, as um, resume tomorrow. So we have still the story of uh, Elio uh, Navi uh, welcoming him, story of our Gedolim and of certain Gedolim when they got to Shemaim. And with that, as tomorrow, we'll finish Parak Shvi. And for all of you here, we could start, get to start at 515, the eighth Parak of Maseches Ksubos.